Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Ooh, uh, I'm a little nervous about today's show. Uh, is it is it the plot? Yeah, I'm not not sure about it. Well, do you um do you want to talk about it? I do. Cue music. Welcome to a brand new year and a new episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm your host, recently back from Christmas vacation, Phil. And I'm your other host, also recently back from vacation, Senda. Um, yeah, hey, I hope everybody had got some downtime. Um, I know that even though it's theoretically the time of downtime, lots of people work way more during the holidays, so... Hopefully everybody got a little, a little, a little bit of R and R, and you know, indeed. Happy New Year. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk more about our holiday times when we get into um, the Bamboo Lounge today. Uh, but we've got an email. Yeah. So this week we got an email from Robin, who said, "Hi both. I love to GM games, and I'm intending to start a new game in the new year. Woohoo! So we're like, hopefully, right on time." Um, every time I start thinking about running a game, I get nervous that I won't be able to work out a plot, etc. for the characters. My wife has pointed out that it always works out and my players have fun, but I still get worried that my creativity will let me down and I'll end up unable to give my, char- my players something to do. I'd love to hear your thoughts and or advice on this. Yeah, so we're going to talk about plots. Um, yeah. And, um, and we're, we're, Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's one other thing, and I can't necessarily tell if this is related or not, because this seems to be mostly about, like, um, nerves in terms of planning stuff, but I will say, if you have nerves when you get to the table for the first time in terms of running stuff, and this is going to happen a lot during this episode, just to set you all up, um, we're going to kind of do a little bit of a roundup um, with further advice on some things we've dived in on more deeply before. So this is the first one. If you are dealing with nerves in terms of running the game at the table or starting the game, whatever it is, getting it off the ground, um, we actually talked about stage fright for GMs in episode 212. So if that sounds like something that's useful, go check it out. Now, you may continue, Phil. Sure. <laughs> uh, I'm going to kick us off with a little definition. So we should you know, make sure that we're all squared away on terms. And especially since we're going to be talking about plots, let's define what a plot is. Um, by um, dictionary definition, the plot is the main events of a play, novel, movie, or similar work, role-playing game, devised <laughs> and presented by the writer as an interrelated sequence. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about gaming tabletop rpgs right the plot is the main events of a story and i'm using story in a very particular um term meaning a um set of events that has a start middle and end right Mm -hmm. that's a like a story um and that's a term we use uh in the misdirector mark network story um session arc campaign we have like we have a past episode where we i think it's a past episode on misdirected mark where we define all of those in excruciating detail but a story is could be like an adventure a dungeon crawl it could be like you know um the the costume ball or whatever but it it basically is a plot and has a start middle and end make sense yes okay so bringing this back to tabletop um rpgs the plot is the main events of a story presented by the gm as interrelated sequence right so interrelated sequence meaning that um each scene flows into the next one and that we move you know from a start to a middle to an end Mm -hmm. okay in other words one more time to kind of keep building like keep building this definition into something usable the plot is basically the outline and notes for what a gm would like to have happen in the story Yes, because right. we are talking about tabletop games and you got players. Yeah, if you're writing a... So the difference is if you're writing a novel, um, you out like you create your plot, then you just write the novel to the plot, right? Like that's yeah. a one, basically a one for one. I mean, writers change things as they go, but essentially you wrote the plot, you write the story. When we are playing a tabletop game, the GM will like create the plot... But maybe that's what happens in the game. And 
honestly a whole bunch of GMing. Yes. Is is what is in that in-between space, right? Yes. Between <laughs> what you planned and what happened, right? That's, yeah. That is the magic. And yeah. honestly, that's the magic of tabletop RPGs, is that space right there. Because otherwise, you could just write a story. Yeah, you'd, in fact, if, if that, in fact, I would go so far as to say, if that's not a space that you enjoy being in, then maybe you should be writing a story instead. Correct. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's a yeah. So anyway, we'll I, in a future episode, we'll maybe tease out that that space a bit more. But your plot is going to be the thing that you as a GM would like to have happen in the story, right? You have some scenes in mind. Um, they move the characters in a you know logical fashion from a beginning to a middle to an end. Mm-hmm. Okay, this all holds true when we are playing TTRPGs that ha- are GM based. Yes. Right. If we're playing TTRPGs that are not GM based, um, that are like collab, you know, like, you know, where we have distributed GMing happening around the table, there's usually something else that handles the plot. Like in Fiasco, the framework of the game handles the plot for you so that everybody just plays into what's been created. And you'll see that a lot. If you're playing a GM less game, um, the game often manages plot creation. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a more traditional, the way, you know, the way that many of us play TTRPGs, um, somebody's the GM and they're coming up with the details for uh, the plot. Now, they don't have to come up with the idea for the plot, right? Like the goal or the, the high level concept, because that can actually come from the players. And I do that all the time. I source my players um, at the end of a game session. I will say like, cool, now that this story's done, what is it you guys want to do in the next story? And sometimes it'll be very specific, right? Like we want to do X, Y, Z. And sometimes it's like, well, now that we did this, I think we should travel. Yeah. Right. And and either of those is valid and input that I can then use to go detail out a plot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that winds up being mostly the job of the GM. Um, and in some games as a GM, maybe you're just doing all that work. Like the players aren't giving you input. I am a big proponent of getting input from players, but you could have an idea for a whole story arc and you're just plotting it out, um, you know, as you go session to session. Also totally valid. Mm-hmm. Cool. All yeah. right. I feel like that's our definition. Are you comfortable with our definition for today? Yes, I'm, I cool. think I'm comfortable with it. Cool. All right. So then what are we doing? Yeah. So for today, we're going to talk about really two broad categories of things, right? We're going to talk about making up plots and we're going to talk about tips for good plots. Um, One of the things we're probably not going to dive into a lot is the option of using published adventures. Um, If that is something... Yeah. Which is totally legitimate, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. We're just just not going to dive into it today. So what I was going to say is, if you're counting along at home, this is your second reference. (laughs) If you are interested in our take on using pre-published adventures... Um, for when you are not feeling creating a plot on your own, etc., which is, as Phil said, completely valid. Um, we did talk specifically about using them in episode 146, so you can go back and get that take. Although, the funny thing about that is that was more than 100 episodes ago. We've been doing this for a long time. We've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> it's always possible that our thoughts on these things have changed and evolved over time, but um, that we one I reaching, think is pretty, pretty solid. Yeah. As a quick sidebar, we are reaching a point um, where it will become completely valid for us to do redo. We're going to uh, start re- redoing things, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, did, I, I did this, I initiated this a while ago on Misdirected Mark, where we mm-hmm. occasionally do the Redux um, episode. We may be getting to the point where we will be doing Redux episodes on some of these topics because... Um, we may have evolving thoughts. It's on literally these been for some of this stuff, it's been five years. Yeah. Um like and I'm, we're definitely different people five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Some ways we're the same. So, yeah. I mean, I think in the really important ways, but everybody has evolving thoughts on stuff. Like I was actually Absolutely. skimming back through our list and like we did the X card, but like three years ago or something, right? Like <laughs> Yeah, I think we have some probably deeper thoughts on consent yeah. consent revoking safety tools and things like that. Yeah. Anyway. To yeah, bring yeah. us back to topic, yes. um, tell us about a couple ways that we can make up plots. Yeah. So basically, if you're just coming up with a plot, 
um, to do something with, right? Um, there, I think there's sort of three categories of how you can do that. You could sit down, literally just nothing in front of you, make something up from scratch, right? Um, you can steal it from somewhere else, some other media, whether that be a book, a video game, um, piecemeal from a movie, whatever it is, right? Um, or you can use tools or aids to help inspire you or to um, constrain your creativity so that you plot into... That was a bad way of saying that. I'm making hand gestures to clarify, and that doesn't usually work on a podcast. It so Phil gets what me, I'm saying. Yeah, I knew where you were. <laughs> you know where I am. But so you could use tools or aids to basically help direct you into yep. a plot, right? Yep. So cool. So if we're doing it from scratch, um, this is just like, this is where you just sit down and you're like, I need a plot for my game. And you think about it and you're like, yep, that's what we're doing right mm-hmm. um it's a little more detailed than that um but it is just de novo i'm gonna make up a plot for this game um a lot of times you will have things from either um the previous session that you can draw upon um or you have an arc established and you're um just you know moving to the next increment of your arc if you're just starting your game um, you have stuff that came out of session zero that you should be like, you know, being able to draw something upon whatever, but maybe you have none of those things and you are just blank slate coming up with something from scratch. Totally mm-hmm. possible. Um, this is, this method works great, uh, when you are in a good space and you are feeling creative and ideas are flowing, right? Whatever that space is. Um, I will tell you without in too much detail, um, the shower tends to be like (laughs) my morning routine and shower tend to be a good place where I am pretty much walled off from a lot of other inputs. Right. And I'm just like, I can start talking to myself and start thinking out loud. Like, "Mm, how's this plot going to go? Like what's going to happen in this upcoming session? And, And I just basically have a conversation with myself, right? Like that's basically my method for this. I will just talk to myself until I think of something and then write it down. In the past, I would just sit with a blank piece of paper and start writing, right? This is general brainstorming stuff, right? Sit down, start writing some ideas, cross some things out until you stumble upon it. Like given enough time, if you're in a good space, uh, the creative part of your brain will stumble onto something. And you can, once you get excited about it, you can run with it. Now, that said, you need to be in a creative space for this to really work. Um, this becomes infinitely harder um, if you are tired, if you are stressed, if there are things going on at work, at home, you are sick, any of those things. Um, it is very hard to be um, creative when you are not um, in your best spaces. And in light of an ongoing pandemic, um, it may be tough right now to hit that super creative place. I certainly have had uh, problems with it um, from scratch. Plot ideas are um, a heavy lift for me right now. I can do them, but I actually need a little extra time um, to get myself into that good space where I can get working on it. So from scratch, totally valid. Um, it's a, it, it, it's not the, and, and I want to be clear it's the hardest way sometimes to do this. Sometimes it's the way that you need to do it because um, just because where like what you want to pick out or what you like what you want to come up with for the plot. Um, but it it can be tough and it does require you to manage um, your personal being to put yourself in that good space. Yeah, and so as my as my therapist has said to me when I have told them help, <laughs> I have no creativity. They have said. That's because, you know, when you are in these high stress situations or when you're not physically entirely there, um, your body will just reallocate all the resources it can to maintaining, you know, survival stuff, right? So when when you're in survival mode, which I think a lot of us have been in for a lot of the last two years, um, sometimes just sheer creativity in the moment is not a thing that is always available to us. Now, having said that, there's another thing that you can do as part of this process, which is you don't have to do this alone. Um, 
it's also totally cool. And Phil sometimes does this too, because I am this person for him when I'm not in the game. When there's someone who's not in the game that you can chat with about plots, whether they play RPGs or not, as long as there's someone who's willing to kind of be invested in the story with you um, or the idea of where the story is going, being able to bounce ideas back and forth or sometimes even just being able to verbalize them, even if you don't get new ideas from the process um, from the other person necessarily, the, the process of verbalizing them yourself um, helps like set and process things and like plan things out or helps you notice where there are issues. Um, so I would also say that um, brainstorming does not have to be an individual activity. Um, it can be something that you engage in in many ways, right? Sure. And I think we should say one last thing about this, um, which is also that you don't have to commit to brainstorming from nothing from square one. This is one that we can merge or blend with all of the other styles of making a plot that we'll talk about as we go forward. Yeah, I was I was going to I was going to say that like in the current pandemic this may not be your go-to. Mm-hmm. Right? Like this one hat like this one does require you to be in a certain space because you're doing all the work yourself. Yeah. The other two methods we're going to talk about is where other things kind of give you a boost. Yeah. And those may be your better go-to tools right now. If you're, if you, you know, after doing some personal assessment, realize like, boy, I am, I am not as create, like I am not a, in a creative space. Yeah. Um, these next two are like good ways to get like a little extra help and get you like get you going. Mm-hmm. Cool. Tell us about stealing from media. Yeah. Um. Well, first off. Ding, number three. <laughs> um, if you want a really deep, specific dive on stealing plots from other places and filing off the serial numbers and reusing them um, as cool plots, go back and check out episode 203. Um, we talked about it in uh, significantly more detail than we will necessarily talk about it here, right? But it's a, it's a super handy way to do it, right? Um, so stealing from other media means that there is a wealth of other ideas that are already available to you, including media you've already consumed or media that you will consume or media that you're interested in consuming or that movie that you just saw a couple weeks ago, whatever it is, right? Um, or the book that you just read. So I just, side, side, we're gonna sidebar for a second. Um, you can you can always steal from other media um, and uh, where was I going with this? All oh, right, I finished reading a book just the other day called A Quarter of Thorns and Roses, and it was very good, but it was really funny because what happened was I started reading the book and I was like, oh, this is a Beauty and the Beast retelling. It had a lot of details that were actually very specifically from the original Beauty and the Beast Grimm's fairy tale story. And then it turned into Tamlin in the middle. And then I finished reading it and I was like, this was like three literal fairy tales, like squished together into one, right? So it's, um, and it was a good book and I really enjoyed it. It was great. Um, but it's just a really solid example of how you as a GM or as an author um, can take inspiration from the media that's around you and take those plot pieces and construct something new out of them that's going to be really new and engaging. Um, and if you set it differently or, um, you know, change other pieces about it so it has a slightly different atmosphere, which is one of the things we talked about a lot in 203 is filing off the serial numbers um, so that it's not readily apparent what the plot is that you're doing, right? So if you take something that's a fairy tale, but you run it on a space station or something along those lines, right, where you sort of warp those um, pieces into a new place or new space, um, then it doesn't have to feel like the original anymore. Right. Even though you might be inspired by a fairy tale, it might not feel like a fairy tale anymore, Um, but you still got a cool plot out of the deal. Yeah. Yeah. I I will say my only contribution to this um, is sometimes people think that this isn't, quote, original enough. Yeah. whatever. But I assure you (laughs) that if you if you take any if you do any analysis into literature whatsoever, um originality is not a th- originality by plot structure is not a thing you should be shooting for. Mm-mm. Um, that field has been picked over a million times. We all use the same plots. What, what is unique? And I think we talked about this in two or three is the world you're going to put on top of that plot. Yes. So if you also want to throw the ring into the, in, you know, into the mountain, 
right? Like mm-hmm. if you want to do the Lord of the Rings, you can in 203 goes into this in good detail is how to rip that apart so that you can do essentially the same thing, but do it for your game. Yeah. But not so. have your players sit there and go, oh, we're all hobbits and now we're walking towards this mountain of fire. Like, yeah, but not quite like that. <laughs> I mean, there's so many ways. Like, again, hit 203 up if you're really interested in this topic. Um, it's a really good one. And it was how I sustained myself as an early GM for a long time. Like, I wrote more things that were just my takes of other movies that I was into like when I was a teenager I am much better at it now I'm like much more subtle about it but like whatever it totally works don't have any stigma about it um Mm -hmm. you know so use media um and it's even better if you have media that like your game group isn't familiar with right like if you steal the plot if you if you use the plot of John Wick somebody might recognize it as a John Wick like scenario but if you are like into some comic series that nobody else has ever heard of and you borrow a plot from that, a good chance it's going to feel quote original to them um, because they just haven't encountered it or more likely they're going to think it's some other thing Mm -hmm. because that plot that you read in your, like, you know, your indie comic is really just also like six other things. Yes. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? Like I could go take the plot of a movie that like very few other people have seen and certainly no one in my game group. Right. Um, But and I I actually am just I'm thinking about kamikaze girls right now for some reason. But um, but if I took that plot, it's about like two misfits becoming friends. And like, you know, at some point, it's going to feel like every other movie of that genre or every other plot of that genre of two misfits who become friends. Right. Like, yeah, (laughs) I mean, I mean, really quick, your Lord of the Rings plot done sci fi Mm -hmm. um, is a um, is a is a uh, starship, a large starship, a capital starship that is like a world killer um, that your players have gotten. And the only way to um, preserve the peace is to destroy this um, capital ship. Um, but it's too well armed and armored. And so the only thing you can do is take it halfway across the galaxy to drive it into a supernova. Yes. Right. (laughs) While you are being hounded, while Mm -hmm. you are running into all these problems of people who want this, the capital ship because it would, you know, end wars for them or give them power, like all of that stuff. So totally like with little to no effort can reskin a plot across genre to, and, and it will totally work. Also, it's okay. haunted so that it can occasionally possess people. Yes. There like it go. takes, I don't even want to use, I don't even want to use um, stuff. It has nanites that occasionally. Oh take yeah. There people. you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll keep, we'll keep, I, I will go hard sci-fi on it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Anyway, point being, um, steal, just steal. It's okay. Like the, I'm really the, inspired the by your sci-fi Lord of the Rings right now. Uh, it's really I'm, playable. I'm thinking about the Golem equivalent, like who originally found it, and like, oh man, carry yeah. on. Anyway, <laughs> okay. Um, lastly, our third our third suggestion is tools and aids. Uh, so much like uh, much like the bedroom, uh, <laughs> tools and aids are your teammates, not your competitors. <laughs> wondering where you were going with that <laughs> i just get it in early right there we go Ba-dum-bum. Wow. Okay. Uh, all right um there are a lot of tools and aids that uh are made to help gms or writers come up with plots and in fact this is an important thing writers have this problem too so there are a lot of tools out there that are actually designed for writers that you could just grab those tools and use them as game masters they serve the same purpose so if you're looking only in gm spaces for plot tools and things like that you will definitely find some but if you expand your search into writing tools you will find even more okay there are basically two categories in very high strokes there are two categories for these kinds of tools and aids the first one is something that will create random elements for you to put into into your plot and the idea is that the creation of the um, 
these random elements will spark creativity because you will look at them and be like, cool, I have to work a palm tree somehow into this plot. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, it creates creative constructs, or I'm sorry, creative constraints, because now you're like looking at this array of, of items that you have to incorporate and you're like, cool, how do I make all these fit into something that's logical? Uh, and while that sounds harder, I will tell you from experience that sitting with a blank page is harder than sitting with a handful of elements that you have to string together and fit into um, into something. That creative constraint actually does a really good job of focusing you um, and pulling ideas out more than a blank page will, yes. which is why I love these kinds of tools and aids. Yes. Okay. The second kind of tool or aid is one that basically is um, a fully formed plot idea, sometimes called a plot seed, um, sometimes a framework it's called or whatever. But the idea is that basically it's a plot that's been made somewhat generic, um, kind of boiled down. It's had its own uh, serial numbers filed off with the idea that you would you will read it, you will look at it and say, cool, knowing what this plot is, I now can like lay my world over it and I can produce my story for my game. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to take a look at both of those types of tools. Senda, would you like to start with randomizers? Absolutely, I would. Um, there's a couple that are just written down here, although it's kind of funny because um, I don't have some of them. <laughs> I, I will, I'll, help, you, I'll help with you some. You have yeah. them. Um, yeah. Cool. So when we talk about randomizers, we are talking about everything from like tables on the internet that you know, you're know you rolling D100 just to oh, pull yeah, something totally. in, right? Because that stuff is absolutely out there. Um, to things like Rory's Story Cubes, which are um, little dice that have like symbols on them instead of numbers um, that are representative of plot things. Mm -hmm. plot Items, usually elements. Stuff. Elements. Um, and they're pretty broad, right? Like, so you could put it in literally, conceptually, those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and then the one that you were pointing out that I'm not, I'm not actually familiar with, but sounds really cool is the StoryForge cards. Sure. This is, um, you can still find them on the internet. I think if you just Google StoryForge, you will find them. Um, I backed them as a Kickstarter, like, I don't know, years ago, like when Kickstarter was relatively new. Yeah. Um, and there are these tarot size cards and, um, they um they have like different um things on them like different they're not specific elements they're like more abstract um like love uh jealousy things like that with with descriptions like they have the word and then some descriptions and then what they do is they have a little book and they give you like a tarot layout like a like a typical story kind of thing and they'll tell you to like place the cards out and then it'll give you a key and it'll be like this is the beginning situation of the protagonist right so that might be like say love and this is the thing that stands in the protagonist's way right like jealousy and this is the villain right and the card might be like greed uh, whatever and so you lay them out and you kind of read through them and then from that you start to put together um you start to put together your plot and you know you take some liberties interpreting the cards like you would with tarot reading kind of thing where you know greed is the a villain well maybe greed is a corporation mm -hmm. capitalism a boss something like like you start to just like by looking at that that um layout of cards you start to weave together your plot yeah again it's a set of creative constraints Mm -hmm. to focus and move your creativity down a specific path instead of just being like, oh, the options are infinite. I am paralyzed. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So like, it, and it does a fantastic job of, of that. Yeah. Cool. Well, do you want to talk about uh, plot seeds and plots? Yeah. I'm going to talk about two examples. There are, man, there are so many of these examples. Like there if you go to drive through and, and mm -hmm. do some searches, you will find a bunch of things. I'm going to mention one that you will not find on drive through first. Um, if you are a bit of a literary geek, you may um, find this of interest. There is a book called Plato, Plot, T-O, Plato, by William Wallace Cook. Uh, book's fairly old. Uh, it's a bit dense. Um, but the idea was that, if I remember the story correctly, uh, Cook was a very prolific writer. Not a... Um, not like a high literary writer, but like somebody who did it for a career and just like 
pumped out stories like, you know, for cash kind of thing. And like had come up with the idea that there are only so many plots in the, in the world kind of thing. Um, which is not an original thought because other people, and we'll talk about it in a second, have also attempted to boil down plots into categories. But what Cook did was like made a made a book of all these different types of plots. Um, like if you read it, it'll say like A, which is meaning the protagonist. Like um, A is betrayed by A's family um, over you know some item. Right. Something like, and there's like, like there are like hundreds of these in the book. Um, and it, easy inspiration to just open it up. Like once you understand how, uh, cook wrote them all out, like just to open it up and like read through and pull something out and they're all fairly small. So you have to actually build more into it. Um, you know, yourself by reading it. Now the other one, which I think is slightly more accessible. Um, but for dis um, for disclosure sake, uh, I am one, the author and to the publisher of this book. Um, and I would be remiss in my own marketing if I did not mention it, but I also stand by my work with pride and I say mine, but this is uh, from the original crew of Gnome Stew. Um, Eureka is the name of the book. You can find it on drive through RPG. Um, it is 501 plots for game masters. It is based on um, another literary person, George uh, Pulte, who had um, come up with 36 dramatic situations, um, basically distilling that all of literature falls into 36 of these dramatic situations. Uh, and what we, back in the day, as the writers of Gnome Stew did, was uh, we took three genres, fantasy, sci-fi, and modern slash horror, and we took those 36 dramatic situations and we wrote up plots for each of them, multiple plots for each of them um, in each of the three genres until we came up with 501 of these. And um, basically, if you need a plot and you, know, you just take out Eureka, you can get it on PDF, you can get it on, um, I think it comes on every um, electronic publishing platform so it, you get it as a pdf it comes with an epub all that stuff uh you can also buy the physical book you uh just open it up and um you can do eureka roulette where you just open it randomly point and look at the plot and see if that's interesting there's a whole bunch of indexes so if you're looking for something about betrayals or you're looking for something about um you know grand adventures those kinds of things you can actually look up those keywords and, and, you know, look for plots that have those things. Um, if you're looking for a certain genre, you can go genre wise, like that you can cut into this book a whole bunch of different ways. But the idea is that each one of them is like, I forget how many words they were fixed. It's a fixed number of words, but it's essentially, I think a half a page on an eight and a half, like it's a half a page with a description of a plot written very generically for you, you know, written as the idea that you're going to insert your characters, your campaign world, and, you know, either make new bad guys or use some of your existing NPCs and stuff. Um, and you just take that plot and read it and, like, fit it to your game and run it. Mm -hmm. Like, they're fully cooked, ready to go. Where where Plato is much thinner, like, you would actually have to figure out, like, some of the rising action and stuff. Eureka's uh, more um, verbose and will actually give you some rising action, some twists, and, and those kinds of things. Yeah, cool. I would be, again, remiss if I didn't. Um, I have it's great love for your... I have great love for Eureka. Um, it's a fantastic book. I have used it um, in the past. I have once, um, one of the other gnomes one year um, did a thing at Gen Con um, where they were playing uh, Fudge, right? The precursor to Fate. Mm -hmm. And they did, right at the table, they did Eureka Roulette. Just see what plot they were running that session? Just close their eye, open the book, close their eyes, point to one, or somebody would, you know, hand them one and um, they'd read it real quick and they would run that game. That sounds like the kind of nonsense I would do. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's actually probably more detailed than the nonsense you would yeah, do. Yeah, I'm like, it like, probably has more information than how Plato I Plato would say. actually probably, probably work, work pretty for well for me. Yeah. yeah. Plato's a little, like I said, <laughs> Plato's a little harder to, like, when you first get the book and you look at it, you're like, whoa, what the? You got to do, like, like you got to read the beginning parts of it to kind of get what um, Cook was going at. Eureka, again, far more digestible. Great. Cool. 
Yeah. All right. So from there, I think we're going to um, transition into the second sort of general genre of stuff that we wanted to do to, to hopefully be helpful to Robin, which is some tips for good plots. Um, mm-hmm. So this is just kind of some general tips for making good plots for your game. Or Mine just, I mean, bounce, mine just bounce back and forth? Sure. I was just going to say good plots in our opinion, but you know... <laughs> I think well, I, I mean listen, you're here opinion, to hear what to hear us talk about it, right? So, look, it's not like we haven't jammed decades worth of games between the two of us, written books, you know, hundreds of podcasts, or whatever. Like, I, I feel like we, I feel like we're we, carrying a little cloud. We have on this some one. experience on this one. All right, cool. Yeah, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, keep your plot simple. Mm-hmm. First tip: um, do not fluster yourself about coming up with a super complex plot. There are two things about this. One. Um, players will make any plot more complicated yes the addition of players makes any plot more complicated books can have really complicated plots because the author has a chokehold on where the story goes and what it does you have players so keep your plot simple because your players will find a way to make it more complicated if you give them a super complicated plot they're going to make that complicated and may get lost yes right may not know how to get to the end of the story that kind of thing so if you keep your plot simple just like kind of rely on your players to like you know complicated as they go yeah because they will they will yes and not in a bad way no like again not in a bad way this just is, this rely is, on it this is that space between the outline and the story that actually happens where we don't know exactly what's going to happen and that's part of the joy i'm 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 i am consistently excited to see how they're going to complicate my plots. Yeah, you you would be surprised how enjoyable uh, get this cargo from this town to the next can be. Yeah. With the players and a few events that happen in between. It will get complicated. Or say you 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 are trying to get a favor from a fake character in Monster Hearts and the next thing you know, she's murdering the GM with laughter by um, bribing his hair snakes with gummy worms. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I want to tell more of the story, but I'm not going to waste time on it. It was just amazing. Um, cool. So number two is to start strong. So especially if you are at the beginning of the game, which we're talking about new game, new year, right? Woohoo, new game, new year. Um, the, the, the point with this one is to start close to the action, um, or as we like to say, get to the monkey, right? So if you um, have a big thing happening in the tavern but you start your characters uh you know two days travel out in the forest on their way back from their last hunting trip or whatever um now you have to like manage that sort of frankly um weird liminal indeterminate time between when they are in the forest and when they get to the to the tavern where the action is actually going to happen because until they have some sort of direction or plot for the players' purposes, they have no idea what their true goal is, right? And so they're going to be kind of a little lost and wandery, and they're going to be weird about it, as they should be, because I don't really know what their purpose is yet, right? So get to the monkey. Start them just outside of the door of the tavern so that they can see the person who just got chucked out into the street, or start them literally sitting at the bar, like whatever it is. Um mm-hmm start close to the action in or close to the action. Yeah. There are a few places where starting from a distance, um, there are reasons for doing it, yes. but I'm a hundred percent with you when it went like in most cases, just land close to the action and go, uh, for instance, I'm going to do, uh, I'm running on Knights black agents, um, this week and I'm doing a new story, right? We're between missions. We're about to start our new mission. So, um, in fitting of the genre, right? Jason Bourne hunts vampires, um, we're starting in a new European city. And so I'm taking this now as a trope because I did it when I opened the first uh, adventure, but I'm doing it again because we're in a new city. Um, I'm going to start the exact same way I did the first time, which is each player describes how they arrive in the city. Oh, yeah. Right. Because it's like a thriller. Nice. Right. So yeah. like the music's going right. And like somebody steps off the train. Right. Like puts their backpack on, looks around like heads, like, you know, out of the train station, like somebody else is coming out of the airport, gets picked up by a car that like I have each of them kind of describe that. And then I like put them like and then I cut hard to like, okay, you're in the safe house preparing for your mission. Yeah. Right. Yep. But start strong because a good a good plot when you start strong on a plot, 
uh, players engage. Right. And that gives yeah. everybody a lot more momentum, especially yeah. at the beginning of a game. Um, exactly. So like you're going to have slow parts as you go through in through a campaign or an arc. Um, but it's important to start strong. Which is that you gotta tip. Overcome, you gotta start you gotta strong. overcome plot inertia. You gotta get over right? that gotta, plot inertia first. And exactly. the plot inertia, especially when you're starting at the beginning, um, is also overcoming some of the trepidation, initial trepidation usually about characters as everybody's, not that they're you know, necessarily not into their characters. They might be really into their characters, but at the beginning of a game, everybody has to kind of figure out how that character plays at the table and kind of like, get a grip on how that works and when you're trying to do that and you also don't know what the plot is or you know what you're really trying to do or whatever it it means it's really hard to get energy moving and going into the game right so start strong start close yep cool cool next one is make the goal of the plot clear yeah right <laughs> the, whatever the plot is about like whatever the characters have to do like the characters should know what they have to do pretty early now they may not know the final thing they have to do right but they should know pretty early what the like what gets them to the middle to the like from the middle to the end that kind of thing right like like we don't know at the beginning of episode four that luke has to blow up the death star yeah right what we know is luke has to get these droids you know to um to alderaan yeah. Right. And then plot twist. Right. Alderaan's just a rock field. Right. Um, but plot twist. The princess is in the you know in the Death Star. Right. But like it's very clear when you're watching it, like what Luke has to do. Luke knows what Luke has to do, and then Luke learns what he has to do next. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't um, have to be the entire thing all at once. When Frodo takes the ring to Rivendell, he thinks he's just taking the ring to Rivendell. Right. Right. So, like, the goal is and, Rivendell. And it's, actually, it's actually a really good um, trope subversion is to give what seems to be the the main goal. Yeah. Um, early on, right? Like, oh, you got to get this to Rivendell. Cool, I can do that. And then get to Rivendell only to find out, huh, no, you've got a much like. And you've then got a there's much the other two here. and a half books. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, uh, but make but don't make the goal like don't cover up the goal that's terrible yes. don't do that because if your players don't know what to do they won't know where to go or how to push the story along for you mm -hmm. and then you as the gm will have to do that pushing which is never as much fun and yeah and then everybody's pouring more energy into the game and not getting energy out the same way yeah exactly also don't make the goal really complex like the goal needs to be like the players need to be in a sentence they need to know what their character like where they're going what they're going after um if they can keep that in their head, clear sentence of what to do, um, and you give it to them nice and early, they will help drive you forward. Put the goat in the airlock. Sure. <laughs> Just, you know. I mean, as long as you that. can say it as a sentence, right? Have the players, like, wake up on the floor of the starship, not, not knowing why they're knocked out, and there's a voice, like, over the intercom that's like, you need to put that goat in the airlock <laughs> now or we're all dead. Yeah. Like, like, boom, you are like into a plot that like players will be like, okay, I need to put the goat in the airlock. Also, why is there a goat on the ship? Why is it going in the airlock? Why was I knocked out? And you are off and running. And its eyes are glowing red. Right? Like, yeah, you are. You are off and running for a good night of fun mm -hmm. with very little, like the goal, very clear. It, it will, it'll evoke some questions later. All right, cool. Yeah. Give me another one. Cool. Um, make rising action shorter than you expect to need it to be. Um, yes. The reason being that players are going to play it slower, probably, than you expect them to. Because this is where we get into, when I as a player am, and am engaging in the rising action, I want to talk to people. I want to dig in on cool scenes. I want to um, talk to my cousin's hair snakes for 20 minutes. Hair snakes that we didn't know, you know, were sentient creatures until five minutes ago i want to talk to them for 20 minutes because they're amazing like that's that's just literally the stuff that's going to happen right and that's all rising action but because players are going to add their own complications and they're going to add their own pieces and they're going to add their own interactions you can probably make the rising action shorter than you think you can <laughs> yeah and if one of those things is if one of those rising actions elements is a combat encounter or more than one combat encounter, that's also going to slow things down. It also takes time. Yeah. Not in a bad way. No. 
just it's going to slow things down. Yeah, I'm like none of this stuff is bad. It's just um, yep. you know the expectation again. If you were writing a book and you had complete um, control on the actual plot, you could make that rising action happen at exactly the pace that you imagine. And it might happen in three pages the way that you think it would based on your outline. But um, no outline is going to survive quite that kind of pacing anticipation once it you know has contact with yep. players. Agreed. Just not. Uh, the next one, which actually I don't have an episode number for, um, oh, no, is uh, Leave Time for the Denouement. Um, the denouement being the falling action, right? As, as things kind of, um, you, as the climax resolves and we start to wrap up our story, um, when you're building your plot, leave time for the denouement. It's, it's the cuddling <laughs> of your plot, right? So it's the thing you do after the climax, you, you, you cuddle. Um, <laughs> And uh, that joke is right out of the other episode. I know, I, and it I, just no doesn't. Credit. I know it just doesn't, it doesn't stop. It keeps it doesn't going. stop. It's still good. Uh huh. Um, but the denouement's important, um, and we have a whole episode where we talk about it. And it, but primarily, it's about uh, wrapping up loose ends. It's about processing what's happened. It's about um, getting this story wrapped up and starting to lay seeds for the next story. That kind of thing. So, you know, there's a. Um, a lot of people will put uh, emphasis on the rising action, you know, the encounters that lead up to the climax. They'll put a lot of effort into the climax, which is great because those kinds of, you know, um, climactic battles and things like that are always exciting and fun. But also when you're plotting out, when you're, you know, making your plots work in that denouement, it doesn't have to be super long, but work in that denouement to let, like bring everything back down wrap up all your loose ends, clean up your story uh, and get the players back to their base state. Yes. So that they're, you know, so that you're ready to engage your next adventure coming up. Yeah. Next story, next plot, whatever. And I'll just have to hunt down that episode and put it in the, uh, put it in the show. It's okay. Cause it you is, do the next one. I'm going to go take a look and see. If yeah. I can you find see if episode. you can find it. Um, so <laughs> Cause I definitely missed that one where that is definitely also an episode we've done. Um, the last tip that we have um, is to build your plot with questions instead of solutions. So instead of in your outline saying, cool, then they're going to take the airship with the goat out of the city. Um, instead, you might say, how are they going to escape the city with the goat? Right. Or how are they going to get to the space station to put said goat in the airlock? I wow. Apparently, this is just the plot that we're going to stick with now. <laughs> goat in the airlock. By the way, quick aside. Yeah. Um, the episode in question is episode seventy-five. Holy cow! It's uh, it dates um September eighteenth, twenty seventeen. Uh, the episode is called uh, "Happy Ending." Because <laughs> we're terrible like that. The denouement. The denouement. Okay. Well, yeah. So if you want to know more about denouement, check out episode seventy-five. Happy ending. <laughs> Happy ending. Cool. Building your plot with questions. I love it. Um, this is actually one of my um, techniques as well. But continue. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if there's more for me to say about it. So maybe you should continue because I know that you use it frequently. I know that when I approach things, I it's interesting because of the way that I GM, because I tend to be, um, I define myself usually as a reactive GM. Um for me, it's interesting because I may jot down some of these questions or I may literally come to the next scene point where I have a question about how they're going to do something because I didn't plan any of this like to this level of detail at all. Sure. And that's when I say to the table, how are you going to get out of the city? Right. Or how are you going to get the goat onto the dropship? to get up to the space station. Yeah. Um, like, so that's these, for me, these are actually the questions I end up just potentially directly asking players. Sometimes I'm asking them more detailed questions, but sometimes I'm asking them overall questions um, like these ones to push them into the next scene so that they're driving the plot um, in the direction of their goal while simultaneously taking whatever circuitous route they're going to take, right? Um, but tell me, because I've seen you use them and I actually see you when you use them write down the questions in advance because you're like, cool, this is my outline. These are the questions we need to answer today. Sure. So if I was going to do a quick plot, let's do the one where we're taking cargo, a fantasy game where we're taking um, uh, a wagon from um, no, wagon from one town to the other. Does it have a goat right? in it? <laughs> sure. We put a goat in it. Um, uh, 
So, so first thing is like, I'll, I'll write the goal of the plot. Like I'll just write it down, right? Like, uh, must transport, um, must transport Royal goat, um, to neighboring town. Right. Cool. And so then I'll think of like, well, what are the kinds of like, what are the things that happen on one of these trips? Right. Well, they're going to be, they're going to be ambushed by raiders. Um, we should have a natural disaster, Right. Mm-hmm. And then let's just like, well, let's do three of them. Let's do three things that happen because I like threes. So let's do something really weird. Right. Like something like because we live in a fantasy world and it's a weird, magical place. Right. So then like my plot of this will be like the opening stuff. Right. Um, let them get organized. Right. That's the next part. Like let them buy equipment, buy maps, information, whatever. Cool. Then let's do let's do the natural disaster first. Like how will they get around the flood? Mm hmm. Right. So like, okay, there's a flood. How will they get around the flood? Um, How are they going to um, keep the goat from the raiders? Mm -hmm. Um, And how will they um, get past the mystic woods? Yeah. Right. Like, I'll just write those out as questions. I, I don't want to come up with the answers. Old Phil back in like, if you went and got like 1990s, 1980s Phil, um, they... Besides not having the goatee. I know the goatee um, is good. Please right. keep it. <laughs> it. Um, they would have um, written the way to get past the flood, right? They would have been like, well, there's some rocks. They should like take apart the wagon, carry it over the rocks, put it back together kind of thing. They'll need to make some craft checks. They'll need to do this. Current Phil is like, cool, there's a flood. You can't get past the, you can't drive the wagon across the the waterway what are you going to do Mm -hmm. and then just stop like they may be like let's build a bridge right or they might be like okay well the wizard has three um you know freezing spheres yeah exactly we're gonna freeze the water right like yeah like whatever it is i don't (laughs) right so my job at that point right my so my my plot is to to stay on focus right my plot is we have a natural disaster that's barring their way I don't need to solve how they're going to do it. What I need to do is listen to what they come up with and figure out how to apply the rules to it to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? So they want to build a bridge. Cool. Um, that's probably some craft checks. Let's go check the book on how to do some crafting stuff. Um, and, you know, maybe I want to, you know, put a time element on it to make it interesting. Um, so, you know, they need to do it before um, it starts raining again. This gets worse, whatever. Like something just, whatever. what can I do to kind of jazz up that scene we can talk about this in a future episode but um the idea is that by just using the questions you've created your outline and you kind of know what the scenes are based on the question but the important part is you never answer the question before the game yeah you could if you want jot down some ideas in case the players get stuck yes right like that's fine like, I just did this the other day for my Knights Black Agents game. There's a uh, warehouse that the players want to go see. And I was like, well, there are two different ways you could get into this warehouse. You could stealth your way in, right? So I wrote myself a note. If they stealth their way in, use these mechanics. Mm-hmm. Or they could con their way in, right? So, like, if they do that, they, you know, they're going to have to make, like, you know, they need to do the following things. And um, I don't know which one they're going to pick. Or- I'm not even going to suggest either one of them to them. Yeah. I just like in my brain for organization purposes just was like, I'm going to just jot these down because these are probably how they're going to do Yeah, it. here are some page numbers so that I don't have to hunt exactly. if I need to look things up. But it's always exactly. possible that, because the real question is, how are they going to get into the warehouse? And it is always possible that they may come up with some wild third way that you are not anticipating. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to blow up the front of the warehouse and walk in. <laughs> and like, okay, like let's do it. Shit may yeah. go down from there, but they could. <laughs> Yeah. And that's totally like, it's totally legit, right? It's totally a fine way to do it. Um, and from a plot perspective, it saves me time as a GM because I don't have to come up with a solution. I just have to come up with the problem. Yes. Right. So the problem is this warehouse is like in a industrial park that has fences and gates Yeah, with like people manning the gates. You solve how to get inside of it. Like, mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to be pushing it off, but that's to like that's the fun part for the players. Like you guys figure that out. I'm just gonna adjudicate rules to make that tense. Yeah. Cool. Great. Anyway, 
if 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 people are interested in that thought process of like how to take those questions and build out and like build out notes and stuff um give us a shout we will totally do that yeah we um, can totally episode. talk about that there was another one yeah. we did right before the break that we were going to do more on too and i don't remember so we might have a couple we need to go back you know like we don't remember things once we're done recording anyway thing? so really quick i'm going to just sum it up um when it comes to plots right you can make them yourself you can steal them from media and you can use tools and aids to um to put them together um all of them are good they all have different advantages they all have different requirements um pick the one that works best for you in the current situation you don't have to like marry yourself to one of them but for today which one do i want to use or smush a bunch together right smush a bunch together um you know steal a plot and roll some dice or whatever Mm -hmm. cool um, and then the other thing when we talk about plots, right, it's uh, it's simplicity, clarity, um, and get everything moving um, because as soon as the players are engaged, they will help drive the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. And leave some time for cuddling. Leave some David. time for cuddling. Always leave time for cuddling. All right. You feel like we've yeah, covered everything I we need feel to like we pretty much covered it. Robin, let us know if we missed anything that would be helpful. Um, and we're happy to chat about it. Cool. Cool. Give me a blurb for another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. And then we are doing a fast yeah. closing because your calendar is filling up quickly. I know. I have to record another show right after this. Cool. So on bonus experience, Ray and Monica are two old friends exploring gameplay and design through the lens of diversity while also sharing some of the dumbest humor gaming has to offer, including a lot of sparkling water talk. Yep. Yeah. Very good. Say, Senda, how do people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark, or you can go on a hunt and find us on the Tiki Talkies. And Phil, once they have that information, what can they do with it? Much like Robin did today, um, toss us out a question, an idea, something you'd like to hear us talk about. Um, whatever is bugging you in gaming is the thing that we want to help you with. Um, as it has been our goal for some time, we want you to run more better games uh, because um, this hobby only thrives if people are playing, uh-huh. right? Here's the secret. It doesn't matter how many books or games publishers make. This hobby only lives if people are playing the game. Yes. So in order to keep you playing the game, we need to remove obstacles that are in your way or things that are less fun for you as a GM. And the way we do that is by sharing our knowledge of things that we have done um, because one of us is really old and has played games for <laughs> like a really long time and the other one is far more fair and younger but also really savvy um, and has played her share of games as well. So we are like a great compliment um, a little new sc- new school and a lot of old school plus some new school i'm pretty flexible um but anyway the point is we want to make more better games for I'm you i'm sorry are you saying you're a switch a game switch no <laughs> no i am not a game switch or any switch in any <laughs> in any way shape or form what i am is versatile in my use of tools oh my <laughs> I will use old school tools. I will use new school tools. I am comfortable with all tools. Anyway. When I top my game. Wow. Okay. okay. So um, sorry I distracted so yeah. you. Carrying. Anyway, that's what you get for that's what you get for distracting me. Anyway, the point is, um, send us a topic. We want to help you out. Um, and odds are if you're having a problem with it, somebody else who's listening to the show is also struggling with it as well. So we're really helping you're helping we're helping you. We're also helping everybody else who's listening. Um, and that's important to us. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Mr. Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Uh, your patronage is what keeps this show up and running. I've talked about it in the past. I'll talk about it in the future. But anyway, we greatly appreciate your patronage. Uh, you do get some cool stuff for joining up. Details are on the Patreon page. So if you're in a place to do it, uh, we would love if you could. If you are already patroning patroning the show, thank you very much. And if you're unable to patron the show, we understand. Uh, no problem at all. Just please keep listening. Because um, we also grace, greatly appreciate that. There is one more thing you can do, which is get the word out. Just get the word out about our show. And we're just going to do this for our abbreviated ending tonight, right? Just get the word out. Um, tell people about our show wherever. 
uh, leave it up on a review on your favorite podcast um, place. Go tell a friend, answer a question on Twitter when somebody asks you what podcasts they should listen to, whatever it is. Um, it helps us. Anything that gets the word out. Um, we're small potatoes. We don't have a marketing budget. <laughs> we don't have a marketing person. Uh, we just do this and we basically uh, rely on you guys to kind of help other people find us. So thank you. Um, thank you immensely. Say, Senda. Mm-hmm. What plot do you think I'm going to use for our Thirsty Sword lesbian adventure tonight? This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got. Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got. Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got, eh? Show me what you got, eh? Bloopy. Hello. Hello. After a couple of false starts, including me accidentally starting on two instead of one. Welcome to 2022. 2022. Which is hopefully not 2022. Yeah, we can talk about that. Oh, we're not talking. We're just After, making some later. noise so I can watch some good waveforms roll by. Yeah, okay, are you ready? Happen. Nope. No Ooh, okay, yes. There's no yawning in podcasting. Are you sure, though? No, I'm not sure. I've yawned before. Anyway, oh, are you no. ready? Get me back to the notes. Let me back in. No! There we go. Yes, I'm ready. Bloop! <laughs> 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 <laughs>